Does sin bother you? Does sin, your sin or other people's sin, does it bother you? Today we live in a day when it is in vogue, when it is considered smart or maybe evolved to laugh at even the idea of sin. Today we live in a world set on and intent on making us comfortable and accepting of sin. That's the day in which we're living. Now, be sure this morning that is nothing new. We need to be aware of that. Satan, his plan from the very beginning of time has been to entice people into sin, to draw people, to lead people into sin, to make them welcoming of sin, that they would be fine with sin. So as we begin this morning, the question is this, are you fine with sin? Are you fine with sin? Do you think, well, it's not that big of a deal? especially since nobody knows about most of it? Do you say, well, everybody is doing it. It'd be weird if I did not do it. Do you say, well, it's just something I struggle with and God understands how I am. This is just something that I struggle with. Or do you say, well, nobody's perfect. I'm for sure not perfect. You point me to a perfect person. Are you fine with sin? Let me tell you something this morning that I have decided. Now, I'll just tell you, you may disagree with me. That'll be okay. You'll be wrong. But let me tell you something I have decided this morning. I have decided the measure of the closeness of your walk with Christ is shown in the extent of your disdain for sin. Now, let me say that again. I believe that's that's what I found over all these years. The measure of the closeness of your walk with Christ is shown in the extent of your disdain for sin. Friends, I believe the truth is uh, the closer that we are walking with Jesus and the more that we are in awe of who he is and what he has done, the more we spend time in his word, the closer we are walking with Jesus, I believe the more we hate and regret and are repulsed by sin. I believe that. Today in our study in the book of Revelation, as we close out the 20th chapter, we're going to see the utter seriousness of sin. Our world makes light of it. I believe we're being pressured to make light of it. We're going to see the utter seriousness of sin. Today our message is entitled, Doomed by Their Deeds. Doomed by Their Deeds. Today we're in Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. Again, we're closing out the 20th chapter. Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15, doomed by their deeds. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. Beginning in verse 11, then I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away. And no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne. And books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them. 
And they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come today and we rejoice in you. We rejoice in a hope that is sure in Christ, a peace that is fixed and settled in the person of Jesus Christ. We come today, we're thankful for the forgiveness of our sin. We're thankful for salvation, not of anything that we did, but in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Lord, we come and I pray that today as we study your word, I pray that it would be, again, your word, not the message of a church, not the message of a denomination, not the message of a preacher, but I pray that it would be the very word of God. And I, I pray that you would build us up in that. I pray that you would equip us and grow us in that. And I pray, Lord, if there's anybody here that doesn't know you, I pray in the hearing of a risen, resurrected Savior, the remedy for sin. I pray that today will be the day they turn to you and receive you in faith. Lord, again, I ask that you speak. I ask that you work and that you move. We give this hour to you. It is yours. We bless your name. We praise your name. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. As we start back today in our study, Satan, the devil, has met his doom. At the start of the thousand-year reign of Christ on earth, we read that he was bound and he was put in the abyss. It was a sort of dungeon or sort of holding prison that he was placed in. The Bible tells us at the end of the thousand years that he is released briefly upon where he is fully and finally and forever defeated with his being cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. We find there that Satan has met his end and he is then found in eternal punishment and torment. I want to go back and read verse 10 of the verses we looked at last week to start our context for this week. Verse 10 says this, And the devil who deceived them was thrown in the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are also. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever, from the ages to the ages. Well, that is where we ended last week. And so therefore, that is where we will start back, where we will pick back up this week. And so today we begin in the 11th verse. Let's go to our verses. We're going to work our way through them. Then, the next thing, then, I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away and no place was found for them. Now understand this morning, verse 11 is very important in describing to us the context of the events that we're going to study today. It is very important in describing to us or laying out for us the situation that the events of the day will occur in. In verse 11, John says, he sees a great white throne. Now, I want you to see this. First, it is described as great, as great. Now, understand, be sure, this is not like one of the thrones that we've heard about. It's not like one of the thrones that we might 
know about. It's not like one of the thrones that some earthly kings have previously occupied. No, this is the throne of God. And so understand that this is the throne of God. And it is, the Bible says, a great throne. It is also described as being white. This represents purity, holiness, and righteousness. John sees a great white throne. Then he says, and him who sat on it, and him who sat on it. Again, this is talking about the throne of God. And I want you to imagine this as he sees it, as it unfolds this morning. John sees God on his throne. That's what the start of verse 11 has told us. He looks and next and then he sees the throne of God and he sees God on his throne. Now what a sight that must have been. How awesome that must have been. He looks and he sees there is God and he's on his throne. Then it says from whose presence earth and heaven fled away. Now I want you to stay with me. Then it says from whose presence earth and heaven fled away and no place was found for them. Now, this is very interesting. I want you to see this. At this point, there is no earth and there is no heaven. Now, the old earth and the old heaven are gone. Uh, at this point, they have been done away with. Soon, as we begin chapter 21, we're going to find there is a new heaven and a new earth. But this event, what's called the great white throne judgment, it takes place between the gap between the two. And this event is the last order of business before the new heaven and the new earth. This is the last judgment of God before comes the perfection of glory. Now that's an awesome thing. This is the last thing. This is the last business dealing. This is the last judgment of God before there's to be a new heaven and a new earth. Verse 11 again, and then I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it from whose presence earth and heaven fled away and no place was found for them. Verse 12 now, and I saw the dead, the great and the small standing before the throne and books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. And the sea, I'm going to go ahead and read verse 13. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. Now I want you to see what happens here. These folks that it's talking about, it's talking about the unrighteous dead. It's talking about those who have died outside of Christ. Now you may say, well, how do you know that? How are you sure of that? Well, we have learned that the righteous dead, those who are in Christ, they have already been raised and they've already received their resurrection bodies. Well, now the unrighteous dead are raised. And the Bible is clear to us here, it is all of them. It's not a piece of them, not a segment of them. It is all of them. It is those who have died over the countless years and have been placed in graves, many graves. It is those that have died at sea and met their fate there. And so it is all of the unrighteous dead, all of those who have died outside of faith in Jesus Christ. 
Now it goes on and it goes further and it says, those who were considered great and those who were considered nothing. I want you to think about that for a second. I want you to notice this right here. We place so much weight in the distinctions of our world. And I want you to notice this right here. All of the world's distinctions, rich, successful, admired, powerful, all of the world's distinctions now do not matter. And whoever they used to be, whatever they once were, whatever it was they achieved in their life, at this point it does not matter and they are all found in the same situation. We have folks and they spend their life and they run their wheels and they fight in their claw to have some level of esteem that at this point it will not matter. They're all in the same boat. Let me say this. And I think, boy, we need to be reminded of this. I don't know many people that will preach this. Church needs to be sure of this. Let me say this. Be very clear today. This is the predicament. This is the fate of any person outside of Jesus Christ. Did you hear what I just said? What we're about to read, what we're reading right now, what we're studying, this is the fate of any person outside of Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter who they were to you. It doesn't matter what you thought of them. Your dear friend outside of Christ, your esteemed loved one outside of Christ, listen, your grandmother, your spouse, even your kid, your child outside of Christ, this is their fate. This is their event. And there they stand before the throne. Can you imagine that crowd? They've rebelled in their sin. They've rejected our Savior Jesus and now they stand before the very throne of God. I, I really can't imagine that. Here they are, and their, their titles are stripped away. Anything they thought mattered has been pulled away. And here they stand before the throne of God. And I can't imagine that. I don't know. Do they stand there? Some of them in great regret. And oh, if I could just have those days over again. Oh, if I'd have just listened to the word of God. Do they stand there with regret? Or do they stand there with great anger and oh, I should have been able to do what I wanted to do and it didn't go my way and I've been mad all this time and I'm still mad. Or do they stand there and they have their rebellion and it still wells up. Who is God to judge me? Who is he to draw me before his throne? I can't imagine this throng as they stand before the throne of God. The Bible says, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. The Bible says the dead, these that are outside of Christ, were judged from the things written in the books. Now, the Bible says according to their deeds. In verse 13, it makes it even plainer, I believe. And it says every one of them, listen, every, each one of them, each one of them, according to their deeds. Folks, I want you to get this today. A person's sins, each and every one of them are written down, recorded in these books, and the books were open. Their sins are recorded in those books. Let me tell you about your sin today. The world has a view of sin. They've told you what they think of sin. Let me tell you about sin today. Outside of Christ, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ, your sins are known. 
You may take some joy today and think, well, I've hid them pretty well. Well, most people don't know my sins. I want to tell you today, they are not secret. Your sins are known. The truth about your sin, your sins are recorded. Your sins are written before God in his book. There is a listing of your sin before God. And I want to tell you this, your sins will bear witness against you. And you may sit here and you may say, well, my sins are not that big of a deal. And you may have excused them in your life and you may have tried to push them out of your memory. You may say, well, I seem to have gotten by with them. Nobody's upset by them any longer. Nobody seems to remember them. I've gotten by with my sin. Or you may think, well, enough time and enough distance has come, has gone by, and it's not a problem for me anymore. Listen to me. Be sure the record will stand. And friend, you outside of Jesus Christ will answer for your sins. Are you fine with your sin today? Oh, it's not that big of a deal. Are you fine with your sin today? Notice it says, the books are opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. Now, why is that book there? Why is it there? And why was it open? Here are the books, and then now it says, and this book, the book of life, was opened. Listen very carefully. It is because the absence of a person's name in that book results in their judgment being rendered according to these other books. Hear me today, be very sure today, you will either be judged for your sin or you will be pardoned by your Savior, Jesus. You'll either be known for your wicked sins or you'll be known for the righteousness of Jesus that's been given to you by faith. And if your name is not found in the one book, you'll be reckoned with according to the sins, each and every one of them recorded in the other books. The books are laid open. Verse 14. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death. First, I want to talk about the lake of fire right here. This is the description given to us by God. There's a lot of folks say, well, I'm not sure I like that picture. Well, I'm not sure it's going to be exactly like that. Well, I think we can explain it away if we, if we do build something else about that. Listen, that is the description given to us by God himself. This, these are the words that he chooses to best describe what we know or what we call hell. We know it is a place of unending physical, emotional, spiritual torment. Uh, really, it is indescribable torment. That's the picture that's being painted here. It is intense torment. It is indescribable, undescribable torment. We know if we take the Bible at its word, and I do, then it is an actual, literal place. There's some folks that will say, well, that's not an actual place. That is not a literal place. I believe the Bible teaches us that, and I take the Bible at its word. Jesus talked about it. Let me read to you from Matthew chapter 25, verse 41. This is Jesus speaking, and he says this. Then he will also say to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed one, 
into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. That's what we're reading about. Jesus also speaking in verse 46, these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. If eternal life is a thing, then eternal punishment, according to the teaching of Christ, is also a thing. Verse 14 goes on and it tells us this, the lake of fire is the second death. And that's another way that it explains it to us, where they had died once physically now they are raised and they are participants now in the second death. The Bible says the lake of fire. Now there's something awesome here in verse 14. And we might miss it. I've missed it for a lot of years. I'll be honest with you. But it's worth holding up today. I couldn't wait to get here today and hold this verse up to you today. There is something very awesome here in verse 14. It says this, go with me. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. Now at first pass, as we read across that, we might think that this is saying, well, the grave is emptied of its residence. And death and Hades are emptied out. And that's what I've always thought when I've read this section of scripture. I say, well, that's what it means. The grave is emptied out. Hades, the place of death is emptied out. And that's what it's talking about. I believe it's much bigger than that. Now I want you to listen to every word. I believe it's much bigger than that. You see, death is the state of being dead. Death is the state of being dead. And Hades is the place of death. And here in verse 14, it says, And death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. Death, the condition of being dead, and Hades, the place of death. Are you with me? Death and the grave, they meet their end here in this event as well. And listen to me, it is in this event and it is in this instant that death for all eternity ceases to exist. And I want to tell you, never again will a body die. Never again will people stand brokenhearted by a grave and weep. Never again will our hearts break because of the punishment due for sin. Never again will we have to say regretful, woeful goodbyes and we have to utter those words. Praise the Lord in this event and in this instant death forever is abolished and life forever reigns. Praise the Lord. Death is finished and death is abolished. We sang these words last week. I'd sing them louder this week. On heaven's bright shore, there's going to be no more dying. Not one little grave in all that fair land. Not even a tear to dim the eye. And no one up there will say goodbye. Just singing his praise through endless days on heaven's bright shore. Praise the Lord. Listen to me. Death is done. Death is finished and they were remedied in Jesus. Praise the Lord. Verse 15. And if anyone's name 
was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Are you fine with sin? World is. Are you fine with sin that Satan wants you to be? Are you fine today where you sit with sin? This is how sin ends. Friends, I want you to listen to me as we close out this message. And I'll just go ahead and tell you right now, this is the most important thing I'll ever preach, and that is this. Listen very carefully. There is a remedy for sin. And if you sit here, friend, you say, what? I'm tired of my sin. And oh, I'm sick of my sin. I want to tell you there is a Savior, a remedy for that sin. And I want to tell you the truth of Scripture is this. He has paid for the sins of the world. He died for it on the cross of Calvary. He has paid for your sin, and he's paid for my sin, carrying our shame, enduring our punishment. And I want to tell you the good news of the gospel is this. Whoever you are today, whatever spot you find yourself in life today, whatever situation you've entered into the hearing of this sermon, if you will trust him today in faith, if you'll claim him as your Savior today, Ask him to forgive you of your sins. Listen to me. He'll forgive you of your sins. He'll save you today. And your name will be found in his book, the Lamb's Book of Life. And I want to tell you, it's an awesome thing. Those other books will be emptied of all your terrible deeds. They'll be blotted out in the righteousness of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Blotted out forever, not to be remembered any longer. If you'll trust Jesus today, He'll save you today. Listen, if you're not fine with your sin today, there is a Savior. His name is Jesus. Praise the Lord. What a gospel. What good news. And with that, the 20th chapter of the revelation of Jesus Christ comes to its end. I can't help but tell you the, the next verse is going to say this. And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth have passed away, and there is no longer any sea. That's where we start back next week. Our, our verses end with this. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Are you fine with your sin? If you're not, there's a remedy in Jesus. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come, we praise you today. We exalt today, Lord, we, we come in great humility. We are sinners, each of us, sorry sinners, each of us, helpless, hopeless in our sin, each of us. But you have come and you've paid for our sin. You, you took our shame and our punishment and you bore it yourself on the cross of Calvary. And by faith in you, our record is clear. By faith in you, we're pardoned of our impending punishment. Lord, we come. We just tell you, we're thankful for that good news. We're thankful for the gospel of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for some here that do not know you. I pray for some here today walking under the burden, the guilt of their sin. I pray that this very day that they would trust you, they would turn to you and find relief, salvation in Jesus. And I pray for us, Lord, who are here, who've made this decision, who've trusted you. I pray, Lord, that we would pick our heads up and we would walk out with a with a face of joy into a lost and dying world, we would carry this good news to a people desperately looking, seeking, oh, that there's hope somewhere. 
Let us show them our hope. Lord, we come, we praise you, we thank you for this, for this day, for these words, for this message, for this truth. We pray now that it would bear fruit, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to end our time with a time of response, a time of invitation, time to respond to the preached word of God. And I want to tell you the good news of the gospel is this. What you've heard today is not a fairy tale. What you've heard today is not a fable. It's the good news of our Savior, Jesus. If you're here and you're tired of your sin, there's a remedy for your sin in the person of Jesus. He lived a life with no sin, that he might go to the cross and pay for ours. He's done that. He's risen from the dead. He stands today, the risen king, the risen lamb. And if you'll trust him, if you'll call on him to save you, he'll save you and forgive you today. If you've never done that, do that today. If that's not clear enough, you come. I'll show you the scriptures. We'll settle it today. If you've never done that, do that today. If you're here and you follow Christ, but you never fought in believer's baptism, and you need that testimony to stand, not as part of your salvation, but testifying to it, you come. We'll set a day. It'll be a great day of, of celebration as you testify to the truth of Jesus. Maybe you're here and you're looking for a church home, and you've prayed about it. You believe God has led you here. You come as well. And together we'll uphold his good news, his truth, till he comes again forth for his glory. Maybe you're coming this day and you'd like to just pray about something going on in your life. Nothing's too big, nothing's too small. Maybe you want to pray at an altar. Maybe you want to pray here with me. We're going to stand and sing. If God is speaking to you, if he's spoken to you, if you need more information, you step out. You come on, I'll meet you here. You come on, I'll meet you here. <laughs>